Hello, and thank you for joining the New Life Baptist Church podcast. It is such a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you through this platform, and it's our desire that you would have an open heart to receive what the Lord has for you through this message. If you'd like to contact us, please visit our website at newlifecasagrande.com. There you'll find contact information to reach us directly, or if you're local to the Casa Grande area, you'll find information to plan your first visit. If you benefit from this sermon, please share it with a friend or feel free to leave a review. Now, let's get ready to hear what God has for us today. The Lord has given us an, an amazing amount of information throughout Scripture to equip us as believers and as disciples so that we might know how to endure and how to uh, endure uh, in the midst of the difficult circumstances of life. And, and, and it's my responsibility, I believe, to equip and to prepare you unto every good work as the Word of God says. When I get to the book of Philippians, here's what I see. And, and, and a lot of guys have, uh, have studied the, the, the book of Philippians and, and, and come away with different purposes and thoughts. But, but when I see the book of Philippians, that, that's what I see. I see a man named the Apostle Paul who's imprisoned and his attitude is this, no matter what, no matter how bad it gets, no matter if my life is at stake or if it's good or not, whatever state I am, I find contentment in that no matter what. But there has to be a purpose and there has to be a reason. So, so just for the purpose of understanding, and, and we're going to deal with some of this over the next several months. We're going to take a journey through the book of Philippians and enjoy a series entitled No Matter What. And I hope that by the time this is finished, um, you'll know what your no matter what's are right? And, and to have that understanding in your mind. So let's kind of dive into it, almost like a class setting, if we could, for just a moment. Let's get a little historical background to what is happening here uh, in the book of Philippians. During the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey, he turned his attention specifically uh, to the, the European or the Greek um, ways of living to Greek um, states and countries, and he began to uh, go minister the gospel in an, in an aggressive way. He steps off the boat at the port of Philippi, and immediately he is inundated with Greek culture, Greek marketplaces, Greek language, Greek ideologies, uh, Greek worship. Um, and Greek lifestyles, a lifestyle, by the way, let, let's kind of be sure we put a, um, uh, 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 some clothing on what we're saying. Um, the Greek lifestyle was one of self-indulgence, self-fulfillment. Yes, they had gods that they worshiped, but even the motive of the little g gods they worshiped were for, again, um, self-righteousness and self-indulgence, etc. Very um, me-driven culture. What pleases me is what I'm going to do. What brings me pleasure. And I know it's hard, but I think we can kind of make a connection there, can we not? Never has there been a culture in the history of man that is so connected with the Roman culture as Americanized, um, and I'm not going to say Christianity, but, 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 but the way of America. Inundated, I, I, I am not, it, it, I'm not fussing at you, and I, this is not to bring conviction. I don't get MMA fighting. I, 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 don't, I have no joy out of watching a guy 
beat in another guy's face. I, and, and when I see that, I, I, I immediately go back to Roman culture of the Colosseums and the thirst for blood. And you say, but you like NFL? Yeah, but they got pads on. No, I'm just kidding. It's all, I mean, it's all about sports. It's about worshiping the God of sports and bringing, um, you know, fulfillment and pleasure to our lives. And, and, and that's, just, that's just where we live. Huge connection. And that's what Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, is now ministering to um, in an aggressive way. Uh, the Bible says that it's here, Acts chapter number 16, that Paul, you don't have to turn there yet, uh, that Paul and Silas and, and uh, Timothy and Luke get off the ship and they begin to um, share the good news of Jesus Christ to this people. Uh, remember one of the first stories, the Apostle Paul was making his way through town and he comes along the river and there's a woman by the name of Lydia there and she is selling purple. Um, it's in this uh, story we see this woman give her life to Jesus Christ and begin to impact her community. A little bit later, Paul cast out a demon out of a little girl, and because of that, the community gets frustrated because they just lost some money. She was, um, uh, because she was demon-possessed, they were using her um, kind of like a psychic or whatever and, and, and making money off this woman, and, and now they can't make money anymore because Jesus Christ lives inside of her, and, and they're mad, and they cast him into jail. It's at this jail moment that Peter, or Paul and Silas, excuse me, excuse me, began singing praises to God while locked in bonds. And because of their joy in the midst of difficult circumstances, the Philippian jailer trusts Jesus Christ as his Savior. This is all a part of that second missionary journey when, um, when Paul goes into Philippi and begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Seven years later, seven years later, Paul is now preaching the gospel to a group of people who don't want to accept what he has to say. Can I pause right here and say, we, we at least have to come to an agreement that there has to be some significance to this man, Jesus. Why is it that Jesus is the one that brings controversy, not Muhammad? Why is it that Jesus brings controversy and not Buddha? Why is it the name of Jesus brings controversy and not Joseph Smith? Why is it that Jesus brings controversy and not Mary only? Because you can speak of Buddha and you're fine, but if you speak of Jesus, you're a bigot. You can speak of Buddha and talk about that religion and there's no repercussions, but if you held Jesus' name, there's all uh, kind of backlash that comes with that. And by the way, um, just again to show significance, this did not start in the 21st century. It started here. Once Jesus came and gave his life upon the cross of Calvary and shed his blood and was dead and buried and rose again on the third day, man, it turned the world, even Judaism, upside down. And this is why Paul is finally seven years later thrown into prison and writes these letters. Because he said this, salvation is by none other but Jesus Christ and him alone. And he said this, the law is good, and I'm not here to take away your traditions and laws. But I'm telling you, if you're putting your faith in circumcision, or if you're putting your faith in not eating certain kinds of meats, or you're putting your faith in honoring the Sabbath, and that's where your hope is in, then you're lost. Your hope is in Jesus Christ alone. And, and because of that statement, they threw Paul into jail, wanted to kill him, wanted to take his life. 
And from that point forward, the Holy Spirit informed Paul that this, this is the beginning of the end. Your ministry will soon come to a close. But in the midst of all this imprisonment, something beautiful begins to happen. Matter of fact, I read this statement by the pastor and writer John Phillips. He said this, as we read the excellent stanzas of the epistle to the Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, we might think that Paul was in a palace and not in a prison. He mentioned his chains again and again, but we do not hear them clanging dismally. We hear them chiming like Christmas bells. The apostle had converted his chains. Just as he had converted some of his guards, his chains had been transformed into bonds of Christ and were therefore tokens of that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, which had long been his delight. What a thought. What a thought. The clanging of chains sounded more like the, the bells of Christmas. Because it's all how you look at it, right? Is it not? And Paul is now going to sit down and he's going to pen a letter to a church. And let me give you a little intro on this church. The church at Philippi was a pretty good church. But the church at Philippi was a band of believers seven years old that were now um, dealing with uh, the, the, the cultural um, tendencies that would come from being a Greek. Um, there, was some, um, there was some bickering going on a little bit within the church. There was some confusion in the church to why Paul was in jail and why this was happening to him. There were some frustrations going on among the people of God. And so Paul is going to write a letter to them and help with some of these things. But I want you to know this, and we see this from the beginning, this was not a letter of rebuke necessarily as much it was a letter of encouragement. And here's some reasons we know that. The first reason is most of Paul's letters of rebuke, specifically to the, to, to the church at Corinth, they started off like this, Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul an apostle, which means Paul is from the beginning dealing with some heavy stuff, and so he's setting up his authority. But in this letter, we see him say this, Paul and Timothy, servants. I want us to see something beautiful at the beginning of this passage. Philippians chapter 1, would you look at this with me? And I want us to take some time to recognize that Paul is trying to communicate in this letter this thought, no matter what, Jesus no matter what, Jesus. So would you do this as you're here? Try to treat this letter, if you can, like maybe the church at Philippi did. Um, I know they didn't have mailboxes, but let's say the courier has just knocked on the door and he's dropped off the letter and they, they peel the seal back and fold open the letter and now they're gonna read this letter from Paul. Make the connection about how you would feel as a church if somebody walked into this room and said, hey, I've got a letter that needs to be read to you. And let's say while this is happening, life is hard. Life is difficult. Frustrations are rising. Hardships are coming. Persecution is happening. And you just need a little hope. Okay? So we've just peeled open this letter, and it begins. The Bible says this, Paul and Timotheus, servants. I love this word servant. The word servant here is the Greek word doulos. The word doulos means this. It means bond servant 
slash slave. The word here, servant, literally means this. In our culture, when you think of a slave, you think of a person who is being forced without care to do something for someone else. But the word slave here in this passage, servant, bond servant, yes, means slave, but it means slave on a voluntary manner, meaning this. A slave, a real slave in our thinking, um, should have rights but has none because they're under the purchase and control of their owner, removing all rights on the auction block. Horrible thought, but that's our idea of a slave. The word bond slave is the same context, but the difference is they weren't necessarily forced, but the choice was volunteer. I remove all rights to myself, and I place myself under your complete authority. And so when Paul says me and Timothy servants, what he's saying is we are two individuals that have given ourselves completely to the power and control of someone else. And what he's doing is he's trying to draw them in so they begin to think. Notice what he says next. To all the saints in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, I want you to help me with something pretty cool. Watch this. Um, Verse number one, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of who? Jesus Christ. With the saints and the bishops and deacons, watch this, to all the saints in, in, in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace, or grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Notice down, if you would, in verse number three, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, for you all make your request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. What is the gospel? Jesus Christ. From the first day until now. Verse six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of what? Jesus Christ, church, don't miss this. Over and over and over again, what he is going to be communicating to this people is Jesus Christ. It all starts with Jesus. It all ends with Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. And today, that is what we're going to look at. No matter what, Jesus. No matter what you're facing, Jesus, but he's got to get his reader to connect with that. And so we see in the salutation, even in the intro of this letter, him making that connection that it's all about Jesus. First of all, we see this, who we are is because of Jesus. He's communicating this to this people. Notice what he says in verse number one. Everybody look, follow along together. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to who? To all the saints, who are saints, by the way. What is a saint? Now, in in the culture, if we're not careful where we live, we oftentimes, because of other denominations and belief systems, we've, we've abused the word saints by tagging it along with a big time name. Saint Peter, Saint Paul, and, and it's almost like that is, oh, I could never be a, a saint. Let me tell you something, church. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've been called out by the blood and covered, uh, your sins forgiven and washed away, you are a saint. All a saint is, is a believer. 
All a saint is, is one that has been set apart unto holiness by God. We are all saints in Christ Jesus. That is us. And so when it references the saints, it's talking about every single believer in the church of God, along with pastors and deacons. Look at the text. Of Jesus Christ, to all the saints that are at Philippi with the bishops. The word bishop there just simply means shepherds and overseers, and then the word deacons. By the way, this is the only time in the Bible that shepherds and deacons are coupled outside of 1 Timothy 3. The only time you'll see these two offices used together to, um, uh, to communicate a thought, bishops, overseers, pastors, shepherds, and deacons. So, so who is he talking to here? Part of the church? Some of the church? He is talking to all of the church. Hey, you that are at Philippi that are saved, raise your hand, and they all raise their hand. And then you other guys that are the bishops and the deacons, you raise your hand. Okay. Okay. You are all here because of Christ Jesus. Church, we, we have to understand, in order to wrap our hands around our minds around this letter, we have to understand that it is speaking to me and to you. The Bible is legit. It is a real letter given to real people. And these letters are given for a simple purpose to make us more like our Savior. This is not a book that's, that, 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 that's a big family Bible sitting on the table so that it kind of brings supernatural powers to your home because you own the book. This book is full of letters and thoughts and information that is for your living. And without it, we cannot be what God wants us to be. We cannot overcome the way God wants us to overcome. This book was written to those who are saints, believers, that are in the church at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. And then notice verse number two. Here's what he says. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. As he begins this letter, again, this is a church going through a difficult time. I believe times that we will see here in the near future, difficulties that are come our way. Matter of fact, there are things in this book that you're going to go, oh, wow, some of that's going on in my life now. You're going to be able to make some connections through this very beautiful, simplistic book. But I love that in the introduction, our Lord says this, hey, Grace be unto you. There's no way you and I can overcome lest it be for God's grace. You see him drawing them in. And then he says this, peace. The word peace, an amazing word. The word peace simply means this, rest or quietness, harmony, peace. As long as this world swirls around us, it feels hard to have rest, doesn't it? And harmony and quietness. It's crazy. How do you get rest and harmony and quietness from watching Fox News? None. It's not there. How, how do you get rest and peace and quiet from gas prices that are going crazy and the bank account that doesn't line up with the, the uptick in gas prices? There's not a lot of rest there, is it? It's hard to find. How do you find rest in a culture where things are screaming loudly? You find that rest and peace and quietness and harmony in God. 
in what he says to be true and right. Notice what he says here. Grace be unto you and peace from who? From God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I love what John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become what? The sons of God. What this opening passage is saying is because you are saints and because you're a part of the family of God and because of what Jesus Christ has done, may grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Listen, the disharmony is not from God. The dysfunction is not from God. The difficulties are not from God. He is a God of peace and of rest and of hope and of help. But the problem is this world is full of sin and it rattles us. And Paul is trying to help the people to see. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon, watch this, the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom also ye are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Church, listen, amazing passage. Watch what he says. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are foreigners and strangers. And so watch, he's writing a letter to the people and he calls them out as saints and he calls them out as his own and he, and he reminds them of who they are in and because of Christ Jesus. In this same text, he says, you are, uh, you are fellow citizens, you're uh, strangers and foreigners, but rather fellow citizens of the household of God. Church, I don't know what you're going through and I don't know the difficulty, but I know this, we are in the family of God. If you're a child of the king today, there is hope and there is help and rest. We're saints. So grace and peace be multiplied to us. Notice what the Bible says secondly. He says in verse number three through five, what we are is the result of Jesus. Now, now, now look at this together. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. You know, it's, it, it's good to be remembered sometime, isn't it? It's good to know that somebody's thinking. Chloe flew into town about a month ago, and my phone rings, and his name is on the dial. And I said, what's up? He said, I'm coming to Phoenix, McCormick. Let's meet up and have some lunch. It felt good. It's good to be remembered. It feels a little selfish, doesn't it? But, but it's good to be remembered. And in this passage, we have Paul writing a letter to these people, and here's what he's saying. I haven't forgotten about you. I know it's been seven years, but every time God brings you to my mind, I remember what you were. I remember what you were when you were by the river before you ever believed, and I, I remember what it was like to watch you possessed by demons, and, and I know what it was to see you in that jail just overwhelmed with the pressure of being within the Roman army. I, I remember that, and I remember what Christ has done in you. Do you remember? Do you remember what Christ has done in you? Do you remember how Christ has changed your life? Do you remember before what you were before Christ and what you are today? The Bible says this. Look here with me in this text. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Why? Always and in every prayer of mine for you all making requests with joy for your fellowship. The word fellowship means partnership. 
So Paul is informing them, not only are we servants in the family of God, but we are in this together. And look at what God has done in your life. And before we get into all the deep stuff of Philippians and understanding what God is and who God is and what they were facing and what they were going through, Paul is just in the beginning of this letter making sure they don't forget and remember who they are in Christ. You're on the team. You're part of the work. It's all about Jesus. Notice the text. He is praising God for the work that Christ has done in their life. And he is thanking him for their partnership with him in the gospel. Are you thankful to be in the family of God? Yes or no? Are you thankful that not only are you in the family of God, but there is a fellowship and a partnership to further the work of Christ? Yes. Now look at the next thing that he says here. And this is where I want to get to today. Verse number six, and what we will be is a work of Jesus Christ. Verse six, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Being confident, being confident. I love what Paul says here. He talks about If we can rest in the beginning of what he's done, then we can have peace and rest that he will finish it. And I know there seems to be some simplicity about this passage, but as I was studying, I thought, you know, Lord, there is no simplicity in this passage. How many of you, when you read letters, you kind of blow by the intro so you can get into the meat? How many times have you begun to read an article and you had to go back to the beginning because you felt like you missed something? There's no way that Paul can define or explain what he needs to happen until he helps them recognize who they are and what they are a part of. So whenever I do work, I've always recognized that there's three kinds of people when I work. There's the guy who starts working and he works really hard, but then he fizzles out at the end. There's the guy that says he wants to work and shows up later after the work is all done. You know what I'm talking about? And then there's the guy that starts the work and he doesn't stop until the job is finished. Let me explain. Even at the campsite this weekend, I, 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 my favorite part of going camping is the arrival. I love getting out there and I love getting my tent set up all in the perfect spot. And I'm that guy that walks around and looks for the, you know, the, the shade and gets everything just right. And, and then I get my bags all in order underneath my, you know, my cot and make sure they're all cleaned and everything's ready to go. And then and, and get the broom and sweep out all the extra dirt. And then I set up the grill. I want it to be like the central location of all the tents and make sure the food is set up on the end of the table. And I got a cooler for breakfast and a cooler for supper and, and then a snack box. And, you know, I just... I, I love all the work that goes into that part of camping. I love getting out there and cooking. Some of the guys volunteered to cook. I'm like, nope, I love cooking, and I love getting out there and getting the burgers on the grill and the hot dogs and in the morning the bacon and the eggs and stuff and getting all that stuff going. I love cooking. You know what part I hate? is the cleanup. I despise that moment when it's time to clean up. That's why. Michael, there's still two pots and a spatula with junk on food in it inside a crate in my garage that I haven't cleaned yet. Isn't that disgusting? I will clean it soon. 
Then you have the guy who says he wants to work, but he's like, what I, I call him the blister. Because blisters show up when the work's done. So if you ever come to a work event here and I call you a blister, that's not a comment. A compliment, sorry. It is a comment for sure. But then you have people that I've watched and they start a job well and they are not going to stop until that job is finished. I, I recently had somebody at our church that helped out with a need that we had and he was on me. Let's get it done. Let's finish it. I'm coming over. I want to finish it. I want to put the second coat on. Let's get it done. Come on. And didn't leave until that job was completely done and beautifully done. Tyler's like that, man. That dude is like on a mission. He starts it, finishes it, does it all. I mean, it, it's, it's just amazing to watch people like that work. Church, can I tell you something? He's writing this letter to a people who now have seen God start the work but they're now hitting their first big wall. There's difficulty. And so Paul writes this letter to this church, and he is informing them that the God who started is not done, and he will finish because our life is all about him. It's all about Jesus. Why do I keep going? Jesus. Why do I love my brother and sister? Jesus. Why do I tell others about him? Jesus. Why do I endure through difficulty? Jesus. And even looking around this room today, I, I, I see, and, and, and I don't mean to necessarily elevate anybody, but um, it's just amazing to see some of the couples that God has given to our church and in pain and in difficulty, and yet they keep going because of Jesus. He's the one that's worthy. Notice what Paul says in the passage. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, notice the next phrase, will perform it. He will finish the work. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the hope that lies within us. Who's that hope? Jesus. It is all about Jesus. The Bible says no matter what, Jesus, and I need to intro this letter. This is, this is the whole foundation of the rest of this series. I need to intro this letter, Paul says, by making sure you understand that you are who you are because of Jesus. And everything that's been done in you that I remember and think about is because of Jesus. And what Jesus started, he will, he will finish it. How long will he do that work? Until Jesus comes again and takes his bride and gathers them like a hen doth her chicks to be his own. He is not finished. He has not failed. One promise, you can't do it. You're too wicked and vile. There's too much wrong in you to overcome. Who do we need? Jesus. I couldn't even come to Jesus unless he draw me to himself. I need Jesus, the book has been given to me so that I might understand who he is and be more like, more like, hey, ch church, it's all about Jesus. So whatever happens right now, today or five years down the road, it's all about Jesus. Rustin, we were leaving the neighborhood day, 
the day before we were going to go camping. It, it was just this past week. And we turn out of the neighborhood and we turn right and we're heading over here to the church to grab some things for the camping trip. And out of the blue, he says, Dad, I don't want to be big like Phoenix. I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to be big like Phoenix? He said, I don't want to, I, I don't want Casa Grande to grow really big. And he's not being scared. He's being, you know, he's being just real and talking like Rustin does. I'm like, son, that would be awesome to have a bunch of people here. I said, I do love the community feel. I like the small town feel. That's great. But, but, but hey, buddy, more, more people that Jesus brings in, the more people that, I mean, more people that come in, the more people that we can share the gospel with. He said, no, 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 dad, that's not what I mean. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I just don't want to be the first city bombed. I'm like, what? He said, you know, if, if, if they're going to come after us someday, they're going to hit Phoenix first and New York and L.A. I don't want to be that big. I just want to be the little old town that nobody messes with out in the desert. I'm like, what in the world? Where did that come from? You know what I mean? That's just the mind of a child thinking, right? I don't want to live in Phoenix. It doesn't matter. Jesus. Do I sit and twiddle my thumbs and just sing kumbaya and talk about Jesus? No. That's why the rest of the book is here, and we're going to get into that. But he needed these people to understand, you know what? You are the saints that have been called out, who are being led by shepherds and deacons, and, and grace and peace be multiplied to you through, through Jesus. And I remember, when every time I think about you, I remember what Christ has done in you and all the stories come back to my mind. And, and, and so I pray for you continually. I got your back. But don't forget, he who started the work in you is able to complete it through Jesus until Jesus comes. It's all about Jesus. There's so much in our world that divides us. Hey, I, I, I honestly don't know who the Democrats and Republicans are, but I'm telling you, forget about it. It's about Jesus. Follow him. So I am a sports fan, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, not because I'm devastated, I'm not, but for the sake of illustration... My team got beat in the Final Four last night by our arch nemesis rivals, okay? But you know what bothered me this morning when I got out of bed? And this is the truth. I've already, I mean, of course, I'm not going to lie to you. I'd love for them to win. That's, I'm not going to be a fake. That would have been awesome and cool. But what bothered me this morning, my heart was heavy as I went out to pray this morning, is is back in North, and, and even here it could happen, but not here as much. Back in North Carolina, there are some people who will not speak to another brother in Christ this morning because their ball team beat them. You know it's true. And there will be some contention and animosity. There will be some anger and resentment that builds up over sports. Is that really your no matter what? No matter what, Duke. No matter what? the Tar Heels, no matter what, the Cowboys. Is that really our no matter what? Really? No matter what, again, can I go back to it? I'm a Republican, no matter what. I'm a Democrat, no matter what. Really? That's our no matter what? I'm a Chiefs fan, no matter what. <laughs> 
<laughs> right? I don't know. I, it, it, I, I can't touch all the worlds you live in. But I'm happy as long as my bank account's full. And no matter what, I'm happy as long as I'm not sick. And no matter what, I find joy as long as everything's comfortable. We, we, we're going to have to change our no matter what. Because God never promised us to be comfortable. But he did say that he will perform the work until he comes to gather us together. So our no matter what must be Jesus. Do you understand now what Paul is saying in the letter? Because he's going to deal with two ladies in just a moment that are kind of bickering between each other. And he's going to tell them, look, that's not your no matter what. What matters more than that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I know I'm in, in change right now, but that's not my no matter what. So ready, no matter what, Jesus. No matter what, joy. No matter what, unity. No matter what, grace. Peace that we have through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's why I'm still, it resonates in my brain today. Every time, every time my mother-in-law leaves my presence, she says, hey, remember who you belong to. What is she saying? No matter what, Jesus He's the author and finisher of our faith. The Bible is clear when it guides us to understand who Jesus is. And so I encourage you, let this kind of be the platform. There is so much more information and beautiful truth that we're going to deal with. But I just wanted to start this whole thing off with the same way Paul did, the same salutation, the same reminders. It's all about Jesus, 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 Jesus. Father, we thank you for the time you've given us together today. We want to thank you for joining us on the NLBC podcast today. We hope that God will allow this message to truly make a difference in your life. As you learn more about him and as you study his word, we pray that it will cause you to live out the gospel in a whole new way. Again, if you would like to connect with us, feel free to reach out by visiting our website at newlifecasagrande.com. If you are local to the Casa Grande area, then we would love to have you join us in person. We have services at 8.30 and 11 a.m. each Sunday morning with a host of other opportunities to develop a godly community to learn and to grow. We'll see you next week on the New Life Baptist Church podcast.